<laughs> take it away. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the very first episode of Rowan and Pine. We are a folklore podcast started by two friends. Uh, my name is Neve, and I live in Ireland and I'm doing it with Emily. Emily, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Emily. Um, I live in Chicago, Illinois, so a little far away from Ireland, but <laughs> we're making it work. So this is a, a fully remote Zoom podcast. We've actually never met in person, but we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. It's a it's a true internet age friendship, I think, yeah. For sure. Back when there were message boards, that's when we became friends. <laughs> Yeah. Are we aging ourselves there? If we're, if we're saying that it's like we met on a message board? <laughs> Probably. Or it would... were like, these girls were on live journal. I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> I was on live journal, but that's not how we met. I actually, I, yeah, I got a random email from live journal last day and I was like, first of all, is that still alive? Like, is that a thing? Because I yeah. got like some sort of update and I was like, second of all, I don't, I have no memory of that. <laughs> I think I made one and I just never used it. So I used so, mine like obsessively for the longest time. So I'm sure if it's still there, like every moment of my life was recorded on it. So that's exciting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Some, at some point you might like gain access to it and be able to like go and see. Yeah. So back to, yeah, we met, we met on the message board. It's one of those like rekindled friendships over like the pandemic. So, you know, when you're reaching out to people that you maybe haven't spoken to properly in a long time and that's sort of how we got speak got speaking again We're yeah just, like we've been following each other from afar all this time through right various social media there was no big um like breakup or anything it wasn't like i fucking hate you <laughs> <laughs> now we're speaking to her again right. oh she's back <laughs> no and we share the same birthday which i think is the coolest thing ever it is cool. I think it means that like used to be in January babies, which I think is aside from any of the horoscopy kind of stuff that you could get into, being born in January kind of sucks. Yeah. Because you're it's always cold. Yeah. Colder where you are for a start. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get snow for years when I was a kid. So like, yeah, definitely Chicago cold would be a completely well, different. And I grew ballgame. up in Minnesota, which is even oh, more yeah, cold. So you did. Yeah. Oh my God, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, it was like. What do you want to do for your birthday? Sit in the basement or go ice skating? <laughs> yeah. And then when you get older, it's like, let's all go do something. Oh, nobody has any money. Okay, that's fine. Right. Like, so I think it's it's been character building for us, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so we sort of have this shared interest in folklore and spooky things and nature and ancestral kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Ghosts. So it's been this thing where we sort of have shared little stories and articles to each other yeah we just started sending each other kind of like posts about stuff that we both found interesting and then you were talking about how you wanted to do to do a podcast and then I was talking about how I wanted to do one specifically about like folklore and kind of mystical things yeah and, and now here we are you were the one that was like no, let's actually do this. Because I'm, I'm very good at saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds fun. <laughs> and then, like, unless somebody actually gives me that little, like, poke. So, uh, yeah, full credit to Emily for um, for making this happen. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's our, our first episode. We're going to be doing different subjects, I think, throughout this. Um, we have a little, a little Google Doc 
that's a work in progress with different ideas that we have. We thought like a good place to start was a place that I personally would have some anecdotes and personal stories about, which I'll share later on in the show. Are we calling it a show? Yeah. 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 It's our show. (laughs) Later on in the show. Um, And that's about uh, folk healing and folk cures. And anybody who's from Ireland who's listening to this uh, will know exactly what I'm talking about. For anybody else who thinks like what is she talking about is she talking about like medicine man or what is it i pulled a little definition just to get us started off and it's from a book called folk healing and healthcare practices in britain and ireland it's sort of a broad definition it's uh the folk healer may refer to persons who have acquired or have learned about curative powers medical or healing knowledge from experts kin or local practitioners various titles commonly assigned to practitioners have included but are not exclusive to Cunning man, wise woman, witch, witch doctor, shaman, medicine men, spirit healers, and more. So folk medicine or healing may involve a singular act or a combination of curative skills or healing knowledge. And that really applies to um, my experience of it. But I think, Emily, you had you had looked into some origins and some different like cultural sort of interpretations of the same thing, right? Yeah, I... I have a definition too from Encyclopedia Britannica, but it's it's pretty similar to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, a medicine person, man, woman, they, them, <laughs> I don't, anybody <laughs> who practices medicine um, is a person who is a member of indigenous society who is knowledgeable about the magical and chemical potencies of various substances, in parentheses, medicines, and skilled in the rituals through which they are administered. Um most people associate the term medicine man with Native Americans, um, but they're also found in like basically any other culture. The process of becoming a medicine man, woman, person is different across the board. It could involve intense initiation processes, firsthand learning such as an apprenticeship, or this is something that could be just passed down within a family. So if you're like a medicine woman um, or a folk healer, you would you have a daughter and then you basically just like teach your daughter as they're growing up and they kind of become like the local folk healer. Also from Encyclopedia Britannica, the medicine person commonly carries a kit of objects, feathers of particular birds, suggestively shaped or marked stones, pollen, hallucinogenic or medicinal plants, and other items that are associated with healing. In some cases, these materials are considered to have been drawn out of the body of the practitioner at his or her initiation to the healer arts. Correspondingly, the work of healing often involves the extraction of offending substances from the patient's body by sucking, pulling, or other means. In some cases, an object must be physically removed from the patient. Example, the healer removes a projectile from a wound. In cases where the nature of the, off- of the offending substance is metaphysical, however, the healing ritual focuses on achieving mental and spiritual health. In such cases, a symbolic object may be removed from the patient by sleight of hand. Yeah, that's that's so all-encompassing. It's it's funny actually. You just kind of like reminded me when you were talking about like training and how people learn things in like the Irish schools curriculum. We learn a lot about the Celts, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But um, one of the things I remember is like, you know, in like Celtic society, the druid, that would be like their priest or their healing man. Yeah. 
and like there's modern day druids um now um in like new age religions i know that like you know the way all these facts that you randomly remember from like when you're like eight for some reason and you get hyper fixated <laughs> right on something. i can remember facts from when i was six but i cannot remember what happened two days ago <laughs> yeah like don't ask me what i had for breakfast last week right at all jesus but one of the facts that i always remember is uh to become a druid in certain societies it took 20 years to complete your training wow and when you think what the life expectancy was back then <laughs> you probably only lived to be about 35 <laughs> yeah you croaked right after you were done <laughs> yeah you're like yay i'm done oh shit right. <laughs> or it's like you know the old wise man was like somebody who was 40 yeah right. <laughs> it's like this is old man Pat. Yeah. <laughs> he's the oldest man in the village. Okay, he's 40. Yeah, right? and now people are like having their first child at age 40 and like going to yeah. college, <laughs> getting their career yeah. started. Yeah, it's like finally getting off like your parents, yeah. like yeah. phone plan or something when you're 40. I have moved out of my parents' house. I'm ready to start my life. Yeah, I'm finally a big girl. <laughs> I just think it's really interesting because it reminded me that folk healing, it does deal with like plants and herbs and things that have medicinal properties, but it also is a spiritual thing. There always seems to be some sort of like spiritual or like religious element. Yeah, for sure. I'm like half Swedish. I did the ancestry DNA thing, even though I already <laughs> kind of knew it just because my mom's dad, so my paternal grandfather his family was like super Swedish like you could tell they settled in the U.S. married off to Swedes and they just like really stayed Swedish <laughs> yeah they embraced the whole like heritage thing. yeah they're like give me the orange horse <laughs> the dollar horse <laughs> <laughs> but um so like so I've been researching um Swedish folk healing which I haven't found a ton about a lot of Swedish people believe that gnomes are responsible for illness and injury um usually people who live on farms if something goes wrong they'll think that they've displeased the gnomes <laughs> and i think that's super interesting yeah. like there's a, a specific gnome called the tomta it's like a type of gnome and they basically make offerings to this gnome as though it's santa claus like on christmas eve they'll put out rice pudding for him and like if your cow falls ill or there's an injury to your horse or something like that the tamtas to blame so they try to make them as happy as possible <laughs> yeah it's like you gotta appease them they're like tiny little vengeful vengeful gods really you just gotta yeah keep them happy no there's there's definitely so much of that in in irish folklore in like even i would say even like going back maybe one generation two generations there are people who full-on believe especially in the regions of Ireland where they still, still speak Irish. There is still obviously a very close relationship with the land. It's mostly in rural areas. Yeah. You know, people obviously who live very modern, but like they might have like a next door neighbor who has like all of these suspicions about fairies. Actually, the, the very first legal internship that I had, like I, I work in like the legal profession. Um, <laughs> I was going to say very... a legal internship. Were you doing illegal yeah. internships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do I describe this? But yeah, it was in like a small, like full service firm. And um. Obviously, like in the break room, like you kind of just chat about like different calls that come in during the day. And like one of the solicitors was saying that she had like a woman come in and the woman was like maybe 60s and um, she wanted to 
uh, cellar house and like some of the surrounding land around it and like notoriously like conveyances like selling any land just takes months and months it takes longer than most people would think and it's all this headache but like she kept saying that she needed it done quickly and she needed it done like I would have I would have done this like in like say it was March of the year and she wanted it done before the summer okay she kept saying this and like the solicitor kept saying right well it's not feasible that like you can have all of this done within the next couple of months like you need to give it time because you know you're dealing with different solicitors and all of this paperwork but like this woman was adamant and the solicitor was like why like what is the rush like why do you need to sell it is some somebody pressuring you like do you have family members that are pressuring you for money or anything are there gangs after you is the mob after you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah the woman like fully straight face said no there are fairy folk on my land and I need to get rid of it. Wow. And she was absolutely full on like compass mentis. Other than what she, what she said, she was completely like with it. Didn't seem like she was crazy or anything like that. But it's just the belief is so like deep in people. Yeah. Um, Especially in places like that. Right. That she, yeah, like she fully was up for selling her house because she believed there was little folk on her land and that they were they were somehow going to be annoyed if she didn't get off the land soon. So in fairness, she was about to pass it off to somebody else. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, so you're just trying to pawn it off on someone else? <laughs> like, what the hell? It's kind of rude. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff, the whole vengeance thing, like a lot of the ways that like, like you're talking about like cattle or maybe spoiling milk or spoiling crops bringing it back to the healing aspect there are they call them fairy blights yeah or i think i had shown you like uh they would call them a fairy pox yeah there was actually a little quote that i had um in the scottish highlands if a fairy breathed upon a person they may get covered in huge blisters oh no and a lesser version of the symptoms uh, uh, could be just hives, uh, like an allergic reaction, and it was known in the region as a fairy pox or a wreck she. So she is like the Irish or Gaelic word of fairy. Yeah. So that's where like banshee comes from. Oh, okay. Man, I feel like there's uh, fairies in my room because randomly I'll wake up with hives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're breathing on and me. It's like back in the day, you didn't have bed bugs. It was obviously just fairies biting you in your sleep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> While we laugh, like, this is like, you know, I think we both recognize that this is people, you know, really full heartedly believe in this. And that's, yeah, we're not making fun of the belief, I guess. It's just like, yeah, I think like we love it, but also have like a sort of skepticism. Yeah, and, like a healthy skepticism. Yeah, I think. And yeah, it's not to like disrespect any beliefs because like, you know, there are plenty of cultures around the world who have like healers and medicine men and all of that but it's I think it's really fascinating to see how cultures explain things that are a little bit beyond their comprehension for sure as history has come on like you know it could be strange illness and oh it's fairies or like your child could be born with behavioral problems oh they were stolen away by fairies and that's not really your child which is you know a like a quite a sad way to look at things, but very I mean, that's, much so. that's where the whole changeling myth comes from, you know? Right. Like it's, you know, your child has been replaced by a fairy child. I know, like within my research and stuff like that, it said that a lot of folk medicine is still used today. But, you know, like I'm somebody who lives in Chicago. There's millions of people mm-hmm. here. I can go down the street and go to the doctor. So I'm not really gonna be the type of person who believes in this stuff. But a lot of People who still will approach folk healers are people who live in rural rural areas. Wow, that's hard to say. You know, they don't have access to modern medicine the way somebody like I do. 
so yeah, like actually on the point of having access to medicine or even, you know, modern medicine isn't perfect. Um, it's changing all the time. Like any doctor will tell you they have to keep on top of developments, keep on top of, you know, drug discoveries, drug trials, side effects, right. everything. Yeah, science is, of. science is always changing. Yeah, and that's the point. Like that's that's why we have scientists to like test these things out and you need somebody who is a lot more knowledgeable than I am or you are. Right. Like, we no longer do bloodletting, so Yeah. Well we're all we're all very happy about that. <laughs> I hate leeches, so that's nice. But I think a lot of people turn into turn to well natural remedies, which, you know, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of granola mom natural remedies. I <laughs> <laughs> wrote but I think when people are not finding the answers that they were maybe hoping for from western medicine that's when they might turn to something um something natural or something that's like a, could be classed as a, under the definition that we have covered like the folk remedy for sure so um well, i also think that it's um at least for me i try to <clears throat> i try to do a blend of western medicine and you know not really like folk healing but like a lot of people refer to it as like eastern medicine things like acupuncture right. and um, mm -hmm. you know, consuming specific herbs or specific teas to try to help because yeah. I do think there is, you know, we can't just be taking prescription pills for everything. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like on a personal note, my, my grandfather, so my mother's father was a, I guess you could class him as a folk healer, but his was deeply, deeply rooted in Catholicism, which is in Ireland especially, the way that folk healing has evolved over the years. Um, it went from something that maybe your village druid went to or was able to do or had inherited to something that um, was rooted in religion, the way people believed about it yeah. and believed in it. So my grandfather um, had the cure for oral thrush um, and he was somebody who administered this to people and... I actually asked my mom about it because it's one of those things I think especially if when you're an adult you <laughs> realize that there's stuff that you sort of half know and that you've never really asked about you're sort of expected to know about or that you picked up half the story when you were a kid right um so I asked mom to send me a voice clip on it now full disclosure I'm pretty sure in true Irish mommy fashion she wrote this out to read it out <laughs> I love it but she couldn't have just winged it <laughs> But God love her, she wasn't going to be embarrassed on a podcast that maybe two people will listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed so, either, but... <laughs> yeah. So this is my mom, Jean. You can call her Mommy Jean. Lots of people do. Hello, Mommy Jean. <laughs> Mommy Jean. <laughs> my father was born in 1910. He never saw his own father, who had died in an accident three months before he was born. I can't recollect how my father knew that as a result of them never meeting, he would have a cure for thrush. Many people came to our home over the years with their children for the cure. There had to be three visits over three days. Dad breathed in the child's mouth and said a prayer each time. He made a sign of the cross on the child's forehead after he prayed. No money ever exchanged hands for the cure. I had first experience of my dad curing one of my own children. I had taken my son to the doctor and he was prescribed fungal drops for a week, which didn't cure the problem. 
The doctor then suggested the old cure of gentian violet in the mouth, which didn't work either. My son, who was three or four years old at the time, wasn't eating, his mouth was so painful. So as a last resort, I took him to my father. After the first part of the cure was done, my son started eating that same evening. I had never really believed in the cure until then. Yeah, that's uh, that's a woman who worked in pharmacies her entire life. Like My mum was always the person, we didn't have any doctors or nurses in the family. Yeah. But she was always the person who, like, my relatives would go to or, like, she'd get a random call at night saying, like, oh, like, I have whatever wrong with me. Do you have anything for it? Because we had the best stocked medicine cabinet that anybody <laughs> could ever have. Um, so, like, my mom is a huge believer in Western medicine. She is very knowledgeable about Western medicine. Like, even now, like, I'll usually ask her before I go to a doctor. Yeah. Because if I can avoid going to a doctor, I will. So <laughs> she'll be able to tell me if there's something I can get over the counter. Yeah. You heard her say herself, like, she didn't really believe in it. And I could understand, like, the process. Like, that sounds... I didn't know about that, that he had to breathe in the child's mouth. <laughs> Which, which you know, sounds there's a lot of like... trust. <laughs> there's a lot of trust letting a strange man breathe in your child's mouth. Right. Especially when it's, like, I don't know. I would be like, have you just brushed your teeth? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want your stinky breath in my mouth. And when you think like you're in so much pain and obviously, you know, it was children and adults and anybody who had like been on a course of antibiotics and was suffering from thrush <laughs> um, were coming. So it was obviously you were in so much pain and then you had to do this and you'd like come back three, three times, like <laughs> come back two more times after the initial visit. Yeah. So it shows like how, I don't know, is it, is it a combination of desperation and belief or is it mostly belief? Uh, I don't know. But I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Like, I think it's, uh, it's crazy that it's worked. Yeah. And that it worked for as many people as my grandfather helped because even like he's been dead for years, even now, like some, some people will say like my grandfather was basically known for two things. He drove a taxi and he had the cure for thrush. And like people will still say to my mom, Oh yeah, his name was Dinny. It's like um a nickname for Dennis. Okay. Like, oh yeah, Dinny, Dinny had the cure for thrush. <laughs> he'll breathe in your mouth and he'll drive you home. <laughs> yeah, it's like he can come pick you up as well. It's great. Um, so I guess probably actually the the story that really got us talking about like folk healing and everything in the first place was my own story. My mother clearly had been convinced by taking my brother to get the cure for thrush because years later when I'm the youngest of like her three kids, um, years later when I got an attack of warts for some reason on my hands, um, the only explanation I have is being a nasty, nasty child. You were just playing with uh, a lot of frogs. <laughs> yeah, I that's or somebody tried to tell me it was from kissing boys and I was like, absolutely not <laughs> haven't kissed one boy thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if i did if they give me warts then never again right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i got like this weird outbreak of warts on my hands and like i don't know what the current treatment for warts is i'm lucky enough that i don't have to know um the only way to get rid of them was to get them frozen off by i guess it's like a salicylic acid or something yeah it's, um, uh, it's like a liquid nitrogen I had to have that oh, when I was right. a kid and it was terrible. Yeah, like it's, I can only imagine how painful it must be. Yeah. That was sort of the 
the cure medically at the time but I was a little kid and my hands were covered in I always remember the number 26 warts and they were basically like on the joints of all of my fingers all over the backs of my hands just randomly everywhere there was no getting rid of them and it would have been extremely painful for me as like a four four or five year old going to get them all frozen off individually in the doctor's office so yeah that would have been um that would have been awful yeah and it definitely would have put me off doctors like <laughs> For sure. even more so <laughs> <laughs> i'm not like a huge well it's not that i'm a huge fan of doctors that i just hate going to a doctor's office because you're like oh i gotta like talk about myself and right and then they poke <laughs> around and it's just like can you leave me alone <laughs> have you tried not being a woman yeah <laughs> It's like, do you ever eat M&M's? It's like, yes. You should probably stop. Yeah. But anyway. um, (laughs) So in an effort to avoid traumatizing me and bringing me to a doctor's office, um, a friend of my mom's, her son had had a wart. I actually think his wart was on his eye. Oh, gosh. Like on his eyelid. eyelid. Yeah. And he, he wasn't that much older than me at the time. He had gotten rid of it um by bringing in someone like just over the border in northern ireland i'm i live in the northwest of ireland um this man who had somehow got the cure for warts um i don't know how he had inherited it um you'll have heard my mum say that my father or my grandfather inherited it because he never laid eyes on his own father that's usually there's usually some like semi-romantic way of like saying that the person inherited it yeah or else they're a seventh son of a seventh son or <laughs> something like that yeah it's never just, nah, it's just Jimmy. He's a bit weird and he started breathing on people. And... <laughs> he started saying, open your mouth. I'm going to breathe in it. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Your thrush is gone. I didn't have thrush. <laughs> exactly. It's magic. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this man um, had like apparently cured like my... Did you hear that? Cats. <laughs> No, oh well, I probably <laughs> some sort of crash in the house. Probably cats. I don't know if you can hear, but um, my cat is right outside my door, and she keeps being like, "Meow." <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't hear. She's like, Will you "Please let me in." <laughs> I can hear you talking in there without me. You're laughing. <laughs> Are you lying down? Because you know you only lie down with me. <laughs> it's like you better not be sleeping. <laughs> So yeah, this this man had like apparently cured my mother's friend's son um, of like this wart on his eye. So mom was like, yeah, I'll bring Neve. So she brought me and um, my memories of it were that I, we went to this person's house. It was obviously like just given like specific directions. I think the daughter of... We had somebody bringing us there. So it was like the daughter of the woman who had told my mom about this. Okay. Um, like, so the, the little boy's sister, who was like a good bit older than him. She was like an adult at the time, brought us to this place. Um, Because I think she actually had like a wart on her finger or something she wanted to get rid of. And I was brought into this man's living room. And it was just me and him. My mom was asked to leave for whatever reason. <laughs> Must be part of the ritual. Who knows? Once again, a lot of trust here. Right. It was the 90s. Yeah. What is the 90s? I would have never <laughs> left my daughter with a strange man. But that's just yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And I remember this guy had like a green marker. And I remember him putting like a dot on each wart on my hand. 
And then he wrote the number 26 on his own hand and drew a circle around it. And he told me that when I was saying my prayers before bed that night, this is back when I said prayers before bed, <laughs> you know, I wanted to make a good Holy Communion and get lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's your motivation. Right. <laughs> like, I say prayers. <laughs> I say prayers. Can I have money? <laughs> so, yeah, he told me that ask for my warts to go away when I was saying my prayers that night and he would ask for the same thing. I would be in his prayers. Okay. And that they would be gone. And I shit you not, within about 10 days, my warts were gone. They were just completely disappeared. I think I was maybe left with like just one, which like faded away genuinely, like just over time. Like, but like the majority of them gone within 10 days. And that's pretty wild. Did nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. We did nothing but this cure. Yeah. Like that's, that's the only thing that we did. My mom didn't like put anything on me. We didn't change the way like I wash my hands or anything like that. Not that I don't think you could get rid of warts by just washing your hands or anything like <laughs> right. that. Right. And I, I'm a very skeptical person. I, I'm usually I kind of wish I believed in things more. Um, yeah, that's like Emily. And that, I yeah, that's, discussed, that's the same. I'm like I wish I yeah, believed way more. I just wish, but like you just your logical brain just kicks in. It's probably but because we're Capricorns. I, yeah, because we're Capricorns and we don't believe in that stuff. <laughs> probably astrology buffs out there. Yeah, going, oh my God, there's such Capricorns. Yeah. If you haven't figured out through this whole, because I don't think we said, no, we said we had January birthdays. Yeah, well, it could be after, isn't it like the 20th of January? Or they changed all those dates, didn't they? They changed the dates. Did they? I feel like they did a few years back. I don't know that. I think like maybe like a day here and there. I think it is um, the 20th of January though because my my husband is the 19th of January and somebody was like, oh, he's on the cusp. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I know, it's such a way of explaining away going like, oh yeah, like I'm a, I'm a whatever, but I'm totally on the cusp. So I'm actually more like the, the other thing. So, so you're not like either of them is what you're saying. <laughs> right. You're like you're just making it up. <laughs> Oh God, I wish I believed in this. It would be so great if I could be like, like, and some of my friends do and like more power to them. Yeah. Um, But it would be so cool to have like some sort of guiding force to go like, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to get out of bed today because your day is going to be absolute shite. For sure. <laughs> don't walk through a graveyard today. <laughs> cool. I won't do that. Yeah. Like I wish, I wish I could explain why this, the cure worked, but my warts are gone, guys. I have no warts. Wart, wart free since 93. Wart free like, needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's my claim to fame now. So, like, I don't know. If anybody else knows how you can explain it, I would love to hear it. Yeah. But, yeah. I would love to hear both. I want to hear from the scientists and I want to hear from the people who are, like, 110% believers. I would love to hear more stories as well of people, like, having these experiences, like... Yeah, for sure. Like healing experiences. I would love to believe it, but I'm sure there are some scientific explanations. Yeah. Is it like power of the mind? Yeah, I was going to... Psychosomatic Yeah, I was going to say maybe we need to believe more because, um, well, we had talked about placebos before, but it's kind of like, you know, in a lot of placebo studies, the placebo is just as effective, if not more. And that's, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. It's kind of like, if you believe it'll probably work so yeah and I have uh, a to kind of close out the show I have um 
there's a book called Traditional Magic Spells for Protection and Healing. It's by Claude Lecotier. <laughs> I'm not French. <laughs> we could post it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. We got to mention show notes in the first show. <laughs> yes. But um, this is a ritual to help for toothaches, and it is from um, a Transylvanian uh, journal in the 19th century. Um <clears throat> The toothache sufferer should wrap a stone with a blade of barley straw and toss it into running water while saying, Pain, oh pain in my tooth, do not attack me so. Remove yourself, leave me, my dog is not home. Do not visit me, (laughs) since I curse you constantly. Follow this straw in the torrent, follow it peacefully. So if you have a toothache, that'll fix you. Oh, yeah, like easy fix air, to be fair. That's probably easier than trying to get an appointment with a dentist these days. <laughs> probably. It's worth a shot because you're going to probably wait months anyway. Yeah, you could literally be like, my my jaw is falling off. And they're like, the latest, the earliest we can get you in is next Tuesday, maybe. <laughs> right. Put you on a cancellation list, pet. Like, <laughs> how do you sound so chipper? I'm in so much pain. I know. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that's why uh, we need to look into natural remedies. and yeah. We should on healing and folk remedies. Yes, yeah. with doing the podcast, we should make our other sort of project be learning how to believe, <laughs> become learning how to believe, become believers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we get we start out with like making tea to calm down. I mean, that's that's definitely actually does work for me. So <laughs> right, yeah, I drink sleepy time tea and it works. Yeah, it's the best. So we started as skeptics and. I would say 2%, I believe, at this point. <laughs> yeah, we're wannabe believers. Yeah. And also, if <laughs> um, if anybody has any stories or anything they want to share with us, our email address is Rowan and A-N-D Pine Pod at gmail.com. Again, Rowan and Pine Pod at gmail.com. Right. So, yeah, that was our first episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope our personalities are not too abrasive. For sure. Because you all know what that's like. Yeah. When you start a podcast, you're like, oh my God, these bitches. Hopefully you come back for the second episode and maybe the yeah. third. Which is, yeah, a little bit to be, to, de- to be determined, but we definitely have a lot of ideas. Emily grew up in a haunted house. I did. So if you want to hear more about yes. that? I forget about that until haunted houses come up. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was a huge part of my life. Yeah. I went through a very a very serious werewolf phase at one point. Amazing. Um, which is probably at an age which I would be embarrassed to tell people. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can share that later on because there are werewolves everywhere. Werewolves and like culture all around the world. Yeah. So yeah, werewolves and changelings and hauntings. Oh my. And yetis. And yetis. I'm still, I'm so into like Bigfoot and yetis. You have no idea. Yes. <laughs> cryptids. Fuck yeah, cryptids. <laughs> Fuck yeah, cryptids. <laughs> but yeah, that was... Fuck yeah, folklore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should be our sign-off. <laughs> that can be our sign-off. So I've been Neve. I'm Emily. And fuck yeah, folklore. Fuck yeah, folklore. Keep folking on. <laughs> Keep folking on. <laughs> and check our second episode whenever that comes out. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.